Reading in Church, a proud partner with Audible.com. Previously on Reading in Church and Other Distractions. Let's cut our losses. I think it's a good idea. Uh, thanks for listening this week. Hope that your Lent gets off to a an appropriate start. I don't know what, what yeah, is, uh, how to uh, keep going. It is uh, Valentine's Day. Ashy so and mournful. Good luck. Good luck finding your Valentine's Day slash Ash Wednesday. This is after Ash Wednesday. This is the first Sunday after Ash Wednesday. Wash your face and get on with it. (laughs) You know what? I can't believe we didn't major in liturgy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Contemporary liturgy. Uh, Wash your face and (laughs) get on on with it. Get out of here. (laughs) Oh, have a great week. Welcome to Reading in Church and Other Distractions with Rob and Mike. Big blizzard thing coming in. That's right. We oh, got one of those too. Big blizzard thing. Oh, snowpocalypse. Snowpocalypse. Yeah. Both well, the snow snowpocalypse edition. The like hastily it. prepared for. Yeah. Hey, yeah, to, you don't get much time to prepare for an, an apocalypse or a snowpocalypse. Yeah. Well, you know when you know it's a snowpocalypse. When when it's a snowpocalypse. When it's, snow. <laughs> when it's, snowing, when it's white outside. <laughs> it's white outside. That's right. All right. We're rolling. All right. Ready? All right. Yep. Well, welcome back to the podcast. I am a rather bassy Robert Wallace today. And I'm a regular old Mike McKeever. Yeah, so I, I seem to be draining, which gives me that nice sultry tone oh, that we should do. Some commercials. Nice. Or, uh, Barry White album I can cover. Barry White. For the, for the right. second half of the podcast. Maybe not. Uh, but welcome back to the readings for February the 25th. This will be our second Sunday of Lent in year B. So as always, four texts. Uh, Genesis 17, 17, 1 to 7, and Hmm. 15 and 16, because Hmm. the last thing we want to talk about is circumcision. Okay. Uh, Well, that wouldn't work with what Paul's talking about. Psalm 22, 23 to 31. Uh, Romans 4, 13 to 25. So we're dip backing into Romans. We're just really skipping a yep. rock all across yep. the epistles. You remember what Paul was saying. Yep. Skip, and then jump back into that. Mark 8. And, well, we decided we could do, we could do what we've already done. Just splice that transfiguration text back in or, or, or Mark 8, 31 to 38, yeah. which I think we'll decide, we'll decide after, after. afterwards, which is we'll see, we'll see how good we do on that. Whether we want to splice it. This in, is so. the snowpocalypse edition. That's right. We're... We are. Recording this a little earlier in the day, I was I would have preferred to give my voice another day, but uh, we are forecasted to get twelve inches. Twelve? Oh, is it twelve uh, now? Yeah, oh. it said up to twelve inches. Uh, so I really <laughs> starting to feel like Illinois is telling me never to go away again, but yeah. I can never leave. Wow. Um, but yeah, that's uh, a lot. But I've safely returned back from yeah. California, which I haven't had a chance to talk to you about at all. Even oh, it was oh. a. Speaking Spain, but okay. No, 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 it was it was a great great trip. Spanish. Uh, I was I was speaking Spanish, but was speaking Spanish without a lisp. So okay. that was Mexico. Uh, yeah, it was great. We had a, a great time in California. the The weather was yeah yeah you yeah. know it was it was <laughs> literally high seventies every day. Uh, the sun was shining. My vitamin D is back up, so I'm excited about that. Um, Popped <laughs> off. Everything was blooming and and it was nice. Well, let's wait till we get to market and see what Jesus thinks about all of that. <laughs> I landed, in, I literally, I landed in Chicago and my nose started running. I don't know what happened. It's, <laughs> I, my voice was fine and then I landed and now Illinois is trying to get even with me. Well, for nothing taking, in bloom. 
And in truth, I should be grateful, right, that God gave me this oasis in the midst of a desolate winter. That's what I was thinking. I should be, but I'm just bitter that I have to be back here. <laughs> like me when I got back. I haven't been cold since I got back from Hawaii. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Save it. Exactly. Save it for someone who so, cares. But the Tijuana trip was great. The The Anaheim trip was great. It was, yeah, it was just a tremendous uh, trip all around. I've said many times, you forget how what? much energy that you spend uh, making students care. So you have an yeah. audience that cares deeply and you don't yeah. have to do that. <laughs> I thought you were going to say dressing for cold weather. Oh, well, that too. That a, too. There's an anal- analogies. Yeah. But, <laughs> and so, someone shoveled your driveway. They did. Was it you? Was not me, but okay. it was not easy to shovel because it was so cold. It's Usually it chooses to either snow or be bitter cold, but it's doing both. Wow. And it's like chipping away ice. It I was, got back. You know, we're flying. We saw you had two inches on... Tuesday or Monday, and I thought, oh, man, we're going to have to pull up in the driveway, and then I'm going to have to, after a long trip, I'm going to have to shovel my driveway. This is not going to be good. Mm. And I pulled up, and it had been shoveled, and I still haven't gotten anyone to take credit for it. So if if you're listening, thank you. You're uh, I love you, and you're one of my favorite people. That's a thoughtful person. So it was. It was tremendous. So I'm very, very grateful for that. And awesome. uh, so that was good. But yeah, great to great to go and see friends. And, and we have some faithful podcast listeners out there. Uh, and uh, um, so... That's Great. exciting. Shout out to Eric, who is a faithful podcast listener. In the church? Yep. And he is reading the Bible through this year in English. He's done it in oh, Spanish, and he's okay. forcing himself to do it in English to improve his English. Oh, that's an excellent way to learn another language. Is to read? So I hear. No, and uh, read the Bible because you kind of know it. Oh, they yeah. have a kind of a familiar text, and you can bridge between sections mm. like you don't know. No, it's a really good Good way to do it's it. It's a good tip. I may try to start. Yeah, but you should probably read it in an easy translation. Yeah. Yeah, I was recommending a, a couple of dynamic equivalence translations. And those are not always easy. Those are, those well, are. It depends. Those can, yeah, they can. Yeah, it can be easy, but they can be like, oh, that sounds easy for us to read, but it can be real complex grammar mm-hmm. and a big vocabulary, even though it's like, it's easier for us. Explain that. I mean, like a, something like the, say, contemporary English version. No, that's that's probably got a limited vocabulary. Right. But something like the New Living Translation. Yeah, New Living like, is a little... very complex grammar and a huge vocabulary. It's like, yeah. so, um, um, International Children's Bible or New Century Version. Yeah. These are really small vocabularies. Yeah, that's the ones I usually... They should call them the ESL Bibles. Yeah. <laughs> they, they should. <laughs> uh, it's, right. a, it's a great opportunity. Well, that's the one that uh, the CE, CEV was CEV the one that Daniel good. actually um, would read the Christmas story from when he was in third grade. Okay. I mean, you know, it was, yeah. a, it was that kind of easy. Could be that so, level. Yeah. yeah, it was good. <laughs> we are really digressing considering. <laughs> <laughs> considering that I've got coming up against my class soon, yeah. but that's okay. Yeah. All right, so maybe we should Well, I won't tell any more stories then. Well, no, that's fine. I think that people almost care about our stories. <laughs> just, just not people in our families. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Save it. That's why we can talk about the family. It's not like anybody's listening. So that's right. They don't listen. Doesn't your wife listen? Oh, not yeah, anymore. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. <laughs> she, she, when she's preaching, she does. She listens to what we're saying for the New Testament stuff. So, yeah. Well, let's jump into this text. Absolutely. All right. And uh, we're looking at Genesis 17. Mm-hmm. When Abraham was 99 years nope, old, you were close. When Abram was 99 years <laughs> old, go. the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. 
And I will make my covenant between me and you, and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face, which he was 99, so that's yeah, why it happened. happens. Broke a hip. <laughs> walk. <laughs> no, I'm trying, though. It's not what he did. walking stuff is a challenge. <laughs> he said, walk perfectly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God said to Abraham, ooh, he's already changed it. As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations, kings, of peoples shall come from her. And yep. Abram fell on his face again. <laughs> <laughs> Said, would you just, someone get Abram This, this a, may not be chronological. A, a lift. <laughs> and no. here's why Abraham <laughs> fell on his face. Uh, yeah, we've got the, the great name change here. Um, people encounter God and get their name changed. Um, this happens. Yeah. Uh, whether it's Simon or uh, Abram or even shifting from Saul to Paul in Paul the New Testament, Paul. even mm-hmm. though he probably had both of those names. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you don't know? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. You mean he'd always had all the, both of those names? Well, yeah, you end up with lots of names back in the yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. So Little Polly. Yeah, you know. A, could have a Hebrew name and a Roman yes. name. You never know. Right. Probably a, yeah, a multicultural person like him. Yeah. yeah. So so we get the big name change. He's been, uh, this is the, the big um, covenant promise in 17. God has shown up three times and this is the one where he makes absolutely clear what he's expecting. Um, it's in chapter 17. You know, remember chapter 12, he shows up and says, go to a land, I'll show you, I'll make you this great mm-hmm. nation. Abraham just takes off and listens to him. Yeah. And uh, then he shows up in 15, 10 years later, and nothing has happened. And God says, you know, I'm your shield. Your reward's going to be yeah. very great. And Abraham says, uh, so yeah. do I need to adopt a guy? And God says, <laughs> no, 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 you're going to biologically yeah. father yeah. a child. And then Sarah goes, well, I guess God meant Hagar. I guess, mm-hmm. you know, Ishmael is the way to go there. And so then we come to this chapter and God says, no, no, actually it's you and it's Sarah and I'll take care of Ishmael. That's no problem. I'll take mm-hmm. care of Ishmael because mm-hmm. you love Ishmael. But um, it's going to be a, a child between you and Sarah. You're going to name him Isaac mm-hmm. uh, because you thought this was all funny um, when I said you were going to biological father a child with Sarah. Um, but he gets his name changed from Exalted Father, which is an awfully ironic name for someone yeah. to, who has no children, uh, to Father of Many. Uh, and Sarah's name is changed from uh, Princess to uh, Princess. There doesn't seem to be any cha- <laughs> meaning <laughs> change. They just changed the spelling. <laughs> That's all they did for her. Uh, yeah. Everyone says, oh, it's the same root. I don't, I don't know what God's hmm. trying to pull off there, but uh, uh, changes her name a little bit uh, in the spelling of it. Okay. Um, <laughs> We, Consolation for us. Yeah. Your name shall no longer be Mike. It shall be Mike. <laughs> Mikey. Mike Key. <laughs> With a Y. <laughs> oh, thank you. I feel special now. Anyway, um, how much, how deep you want me to go in this? Deep. I mean, <laughs> well, this is where we get the, the circumcision promise. All right. That's the part that's missing here. Um, <laughs> circumcision, the, the part that's missing. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. Here's a title for you. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, that one's fair. Um, 
but yeah, we've skipped over that part. Was probably the better way for me to say that. Cut that um, part out. <laughs> we, <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> so, Yow. Uh, this is this is the one that requires a response to this promise. God again comes with this act of grace. Abraham is then responding. Uh, where uh, circumcision is a sign of the covenant, it is not uh, membership in the covenant. Because right? why else would you? It's a, <laughs> it was it was. Uh, something that happened in parts of the ancient Near East. Um, Going deep. Other levels of uh, upper levels of Egyptian society, priests and maybe some of the upper class would occasionally circumcise. There are some, we don't know how much, it, it doesn't seem to have been real common in the lower classes. Hmm. Um, indigenous Canaanites did not circumcise. Assyrians, I don't believe, circumcised. Um, so it would, be a, it would be a marker. It would be a distinctive thing um, to do. And uh, he circumcised. Not long after this, he circumcises himself, and he circumcises a 13-year-old Ishmael, who was no doubt grateful. Oh boy! Uh, and all of the slaves in his household, um, mm. the male slaves in his household, were circumcised. <laughs> and so this became the, the and raising the club. It, it, you know, this is one of those times. I don't want to be too crude about this, but there <laughs> Clearly, is. Clearly, I'm, I'm if going you're catching anything <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Let me just take a moment to say I'm not the one making the circumcision I don't make the jokes rules. up to this point. But I, I will say that, and I, this is probably as nice as I can say it, the sign of circumcision is asking Abram to mess with what he is going to need to fulfill the promise God has offered. Uh, I mean, it's it's so it's an act of faith um, okay. here. Hmm, and and with, without being too crude about it, it, it is an act of faith. Um, and, and again, a sign of the covenant, not a, not a, not a requirement to be in the covenant. It's yep. the response, as uh, always, it, yes. you know. Our life is the response to salvation. Yeah. Our life is response to grace, the life we live. That's what's happening in this chapter, even though we didn't talk about that part of this chapter. Right. Um, but I do think that each time Abram's, I don't know, each time his understanding is challenged, there's an additional level of uh, commitment that he gives, right? Where it's in 15, he had to get the sacrifice together um, when he had his questions about that. And this one... Um, when he asked, well, you know, God, can you uh, make sure and bless Ishmael? And God's like, no, it's not going to be Ishmael. Yeah. It's going to be you. It's going to be yeah. circumcision. You know, the circumcision is this promise that okay. I'm the one who's going to be doing this. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, I mentioned in November that I went to a really good paper about mm-hmm. the Islander criticism. Mm-hmm. The really bad paper right, <laughs> was on Genesis 17. Oh. <laughs> and and it was this interpretation of this guy trying to to say – well, is the covenant conditional or is it unconditional? And to me, that's just the most ridiculous oh. question you could even ask. Yeah. I mean, the assumption yeah. is this is a patron client. God is, you know what I mean? This, wow. You don't get to participate in this. Yeah. If you don't want to participate in it as a client, then the patron's under no obligation to do mm-hmm. anything in that regard. Okay. So God is, anyway, God is in a relationship with Abram in this and is going to be the one who's going to work out this covenant. It's not as though Abram has to be the one who has to make himself exceedingly numerous. Although I will say Jacob seemed to take that responsibility on himself to make, I got this, make his descendants as numerous as possible. (laughs) But, um, but he is a participant in it. Absolutely. But it's not a, uh, I don't know. It, 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 I just think the conditional, unconditional debate is just a silly one on some level. It it, it fails to take into account relationship. Yeah, you know? and and the text. I mean, it doesn't emerge right. from the text. No, it emerges no. Just from 
our own. Almost any covenant. I mean, is my is my covenant with my wife conditional or unconditional? My marriage. Hmm. I mean, yeah. You know, I don't well, understand that question. There's some vows, but <laughs> I don't fully understand that question. So, anyway, um, <laughs> that's. You didn't say that to the minister, did you? I didn't. I, I don't understand your question. <laughs> yeah. When you ask what, this. what are you saying? <laughs> Let's work this out. So, but it does involve Sarah here. By the way, both of them laugh at the notion. Uh, we always give Sarah a hard time for laughing in the next chapter, uh, but uh, Abram laughed as well uh, in verse 17 of this, of this, the next verse, Abram laughs when God uh, says, no, no, I'm uh, going to, she's going to be a mother. And Abram's like, <clears throat> yeah, him out right. his nose. and God says, you know what? Just for that, yep. that's his name. <laughs> Just for that. <laughs> Just, I'm naming him uh, laughter. Yeah. So there. Yep. So Yitzhak. Cool. Which I shouldn't have tried to say, cause now I'm coughing. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Yitzhak. So, Yitzhak. Uh, anything that you want to talk about here? Uh, y- Doesn't James bring up this passage in proof of works? Because <laughs> um, pa- um, no, Paul, Paul brings up 15. Paul brings up Genesis 15 and says that Abram believed and it was credited him as righteousness. Yeah. And I think James brings up circumcision here in 17 in his argument. I think, it, I think Paul, Paul brings this different parts of this. Actually, I think he brings this up in Galatians. Paul does. Okay. And um, James brings up the binding of Isaac. Really? So they bring up, they bring up different parts, unless hmm. I'm thinking of a, another area. Um, well, th- that's, what I, that's what I thought. That's what I, that's how I remembered it this morning. As I'm thinking about, the, <laughs> I'm going to talk about James and... Oh, you are? James and a little bit because... Uh, you know they both they both deal with this. You know, Paul deals with Abraham in different ways in different right. letters. But here they um, let's see. I think when we get into the Romans reading, we're going to find be in the area where they oh, both use right. this, this language. Yeah, he brings um, his son on the altar. Well done. Yeah. So this is like before before seeing the son. This is he's believing before circumcision. He's believing. Oh. And for giving the law. Then James also brings in a uh, Genesis 15. Abram believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So he does jump around. Yeah, he um, skips around. As both does places. Paul. But um, by and large, I think what James is talking about a mature kind of this is a conclusion sort of mm-hmm. manifestation of of someone who's walked in this covenant and has right. grown into it. And I think that's a good reading of it. Mm -hmm. I do. I mean, I think both of them are reading it well. I think both of them are having two different arguments. Yeah. Yeah. And And sometimes Paul's having two different arguments with with himself. himself. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. And where you're reading. Right. Yeah. Or what letter. Yeah. This is certainly one of those texts that that is mined uh, again and again in the New Testament. Ah. And and in in other Jewish literature. Mm Mm-hmm. About Psalm 22. Psalm 22. Slice of Psalm 22. Yeah, just the happy part. Okay. (laughs) You you who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. From, From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. 
all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nation shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. To him indeed shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow down all who go down to the dust, and I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that he has done it. Yeah. So speaking of um, psalms that are mind, uh, texts that are mind mm-hmm. a lot in the New Testament. Yeah, Psalm 22. Uh, 22 is a big one. Uh, the uh, the power of which goes all the way to the cross mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways. Right. Uh, this is the opening, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my mm-hmm. God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, but this is the happy ending uh, of that. Yeah. Um, it is a, a psalm of, of deep lament. I mean, it is a God is holy. I'm a worm. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Uh, people are shaming me. It was God who took me out of the tomb, but now I've got trouble all over the place. Um, and one of the greatest verses, and I'm really sorry that it's not in the text, comes in 22, 20, See, 21. God took me out of the tomb or womb? Uh, womb. Okay. Womb. I go, wow, is that in there? I never noticed Womb, 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 womb. Uh, and I may have, may have said to him, I, I meant womb. Uh, um, but in 21, it says uh, that God, uh, from the horns of the wild oxen, you have answered me, uh, which I think is just a great, hmm. that's, that is the turn. You know, God answer. answers me. And then we jump to 22 which says, you know, I'll tell your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will oh. praise you. You fear the Lord. Praise him all. You offspring of Jacob glorify him. So this moment that God answers mm. just sets the rest of this psalm, mm. which is just uh, this person proclaiming. He's been surrounded by the wicked all psalm mm-hmm. and now surrounded by faithful worshipers. Um, mm. oh. You offspring of, of uh, Israel. Um, it, you know, in the so midst of the congregation, changed churches. Yeah. He's changed churches. That's what's happened. He was. He got we've a new all church. we've all gone to that church, boy. Yeah. Let me tell you, we've been, probably been pastors of those. Can there um, be dragons? <laughs> that was my December sermon. Um, really? Oh yes. But uh, yeah, I was preaching on Revelation yeah. in December. But uh, this is the this is the happening. He didn't despise the afflicted. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. I mean, we finally get this restoration and hope and and. Uh, some see this almost as eschatological. Right? Where mm. Finally, the ends of the earth are, are hearing God and know it, and forever people will talk about everything. Look at what God has done here. It's uh, been amazing. And okay. and so this is the, you know, we're playing trumpets here. This is a yeah. big, this is a big deal, this this big finish. But for me, I always want to, I want to run through, if you're not going through the lament to get here, yeah. you haven't earned the right to talk about this. So I always get angry when we, we just pull the happy parts of the laments to talk about them because. Yeah, right. You know, you've got to go through that grieving, I think, before this has has meaning uh, in a lot of ways. I had a, a yeah. friend who wrote a great paper on uh, Psalm 8, which, of course, is that classic, you know, O Lord, mm-hmm. our God, how majestic is your name on the earth. Um, and it's a it's a praise that people love and it's a beloved psalm and it is it's beautiful, but it stands in the middle of two individual laments and two communal laments, oh. you know, six and seven and eight and nine. Hmm. Or nine and ten, oh, and and he, his paper was basically making a canonical argument of how you hear this Thanksgiving in the midst of this lament. Um, that that to me is okay on a macro scale. What I think every lament psalm does on a micro scale, and that is that you gotta before you really come to understand the power of God and fearing God, you you walk through the valley of hmm. you know deep darkness, and our psalmist does that here. Um, 
God's not answering day and night. Um, that I mean that that's a powerful thing about the psalm is uh, verse two. Oh God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And then verse twenty one, you answered me, and you know because after that you don't answer me. He goes through all of these problems and how. <laughs> God's been absent. Dogs are all around me. Not in a good way. Not like a puppy day not for finals week. No, no, it this is not this good is, bulls. Not horns. good dogs. Bad dogs. And uh, <laughs> not a good boy. A bad boy. A bad boy. But then you get. But you answered me. And as soon as God answers, then I will tell of the congregation mm. all of your works and in the midst of this group and you who fear the Lord praise Him. And so it's it's excitement. So the great debate that I hear from people who are uncomfortable with Jesus showing any manner of humanity mm-hmm. is does Jesus quote this Psalm from the cross implying the feeling of despair right. or does he quote the Psalm from the cross uh, right. foreshadowing the ending? Mm-hmm. Of this? Yeah. And I like to push back and point out that I feel it's very possible that Jesus felt despair. Um, I think so. And so I like I, I've always that. accented that, that there might be the, if you if you listen to it carefully, there could be that hint of, oh, is there is there this glimpse of something after this? Mm-hmm. However, this time as I'm teaching uh, through Mark, yeah, I'm I'm I just just scanned uh, Marcus' story, yeah, and uh, they do have a section where they talk about he does not die heroically, mm. he does not die stoically, yeah. Uh, it is consistent, probably consistent reading to say he 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 dies in despair mm. in Mark, yeah like wow i was reading through all the uh occurrences of cross in that book and uh because i've got it on my uh my ipad oh that'd be interesting i'm gonna kind of kind of skim that for uh the reading you know the reading mark eight and it's like wow that kind of hit me this morning yeah while i'm while i'm giving a test i'm reading this i i was and i I think i've shared this story before but i heard a a great paper on that at uh guy was actually he was doing a perspective lecture as a faculty member he's being interviewed and they he took some time to speak to the students about this and he was a reading of uh the cry of desperation from the mm-hmm. cross in mark yeah. and uh he's the one who pointed out that the other time jesus speaks aramaic in mark a miracle is worked talitha kum right? the mm-hmm. young girl raises yeah, yeah. so here he speaks aramaic and um then he and then he dies you know eloi eloi lama sabachthani mm-hmm. um and the minute that he dies, the temple veil is ripped. Yeah. And so what he read was, and I thought this was an interesting reading, that Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God bursts out of the temple in answer of that cry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and so when, this is so funny you say it, that you do, because as I was going through this today, I was thinking, well, you know, I wonder if maybe there might not be a little bit, the way Mark is using it, an, an allusion to that, and then God answered me. Yeah, because then, when, then when God rushes out of the temple to attend to Jesus, that next line is the Roman soldier who witnesses this, saying, mm-hmm. "Surely this yes. man was right. the Son of God." Yeah, the only place where someone recognizes where, where he gets it when he sees that happen. And I, you know, when he first, I mean, it's rare that someone presents something like that anymore. I got literally got chills yeah. when he said that. That picture of Jesus saying, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" and God bursting out of the temple. Mm breaking the the veil to answer this cry of desperation. And then wow. when, when I said that answer this morning, I was thinking, wow. And he answered me yeah. verse 21. Um, and then the, the, so, so I wonder if Jesus isn't referencing the first verse, but Mark isn't invoking the whole song. Well, that's what, I, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just, I wonder about I'm wondering that. that too. 
And I'm wondering the mocking of Jesus if they say it. It seems like in, in a, at least one gospel they say, let's see if God, you know, yeah. answers and hears his prayer. Is it God or Eli? Uh, well, because they even misunderstood what he said, yeah, right? Let's yeah, see if Elijah thinking, comes. Let's see if Elijah comes. Yeah. 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 He doesn't even get that. I mean, they don't even understand that much right. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. So okay. I, I, yeah. this is a an amazing psalm, obviously used in in powerful ways that but you know i think then i was rereading it thinking of mark and he didn't despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted he didn't hide but heard when i cried to him <laughs> i start thinking wow there might mark really might because you know there is that sense of quoting one part for the whole oh yeah um yeah which way are you arguing here yeah I'm, i <laughs> seem to be, i would always argue the other way I, I seem to be going both ways within the narrative that. but within the characterization of right, jesus right he's not depicted as dying a heroic death nor a Stoic. Completely death. agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that within the narrative, Mark is playing mm-hmm. with that. Right. And and drawing yeah. in yeah. a classic mm-hmm. lament song. I think so. Yeah, I think that's right. You guys want to have it both ways, don't you? With I do. Fancy narratives and characters. I do. Living in the narrative versus living in the story. Yeah. Anyway, who cares? <laughs> but yeah, we give this great hope, a great psalm. I forgot psalm. that it begins with that that verse. I was thinking, oh. No, it wouldn't end with that verse. No, that is yeah. the opening. Yeah. And the one thing I love about Lament Psalms, he opens with, God, why have you forsaken me? Why won't you listen to me? And then I will spend the next 22 verses talking to you. Even yeah. though he is opened with, yeah. God's not listening, he's still talking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, I know. You know yeah. People curse at God. Like, yeah. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. You right. Know, You're right. Kind of geared toward. Yeah. Addressing you know, God. I cry to you day and night, but you don't answer me. You stop listening to me. So let me now give you another eighteen verses yeah. to explain my problem again mm-hmm. that you can yeah. ignore, and then God answers. So God says, yeah, this is good. I good. think we've made we're making progress. <laughs> we're getting somewhere. <laughs> well, and the other part of this I love is remembering that this is not just a prayer. This is not just a story. This is a worship song. Mm. This is part of the hymn book. And because it's in the Bible, because I believe the canonical process is a divine process. This is a text about prayer, a word to God that God thought he needed to have in the Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just think wow. that's, you know, those parts where people are always, you know, cursing. That's good stuff, boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to keep that yeah. there, boy. Yeah, keep her. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Of course, canonically, you wouldn't get this stuff unless you were doing your read through the year program, yeah. which some of you have already abandoned. I'm just, we're just here to encourage you to... <laughs> And if you've gotten to Leviticus, I understand, but hang yeah, in there. Hang in there. February's hard. You think it's hard. <laughs> Leviticus is hard. Re- try reading Leviticus as February goes through. <laughs> we... When the snowpocalypse gets here. Yeah. Well, well you're still there this weekend. Through. Maybe you could try and read uh, read Leviticus this weekend. So. Oh. Actually, you don't dread it as much as some do. My grandfather used to say you read Leviticus right before you go to bed so you have nothing on your mind. Yeah. No, I come to appreciate Leviticus. Yeah, good stuff. And Mary Douglas helps, too. <laughs> A little cultural anthropology. Reading in Church is proud to partner with Audible.com. For you, the listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player. Surely you can find something interesting in all of that. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch for your free audiobook. Go there today. Well, are you right. ready for Romans? 
Yeah, let's do it. Let's this do is never light. Romans. This is not easy lifting in Romans ever. Well, I'm so. not going to do heavy lifting. Oh, okay, Because I got class in. at one? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Starting in verse 13, chapter 4. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Duh. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. The law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share faith of Abraham. For he is the father of all of us, as it is written, I made you the father of many nations. That's from early. Uh, In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations. According to what was said, so numerous shall your descendants be. That's Genesis 15. Mm. Uh, He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about 100. Mm -hmm. Gee whiz, that's harsh. And when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's Sarah's womb, no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. There's one thing we know about Abraham. He never wavered. Sure. (laughs) After chapter 21, that's true. (laughs) true. Uh, But fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. Uh, Therefore, his (laughs) faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. There's the chapter uh, 15 reference I was talking about. Uh Now the words, it was reckoned to him, were not written, excuse me, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It'll be reckoned to us who believe Mm -hmm. in him who raised Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. Oh, good. I had the the last verse off my screen there. I go, he's going to keep going. I am. I'm just going to keep going. That is good. I just get wound up when I start reading scripture. Mike, you know me. Yes. (laughs) Well, you're getting more energy. I think think, uh, this podcast energizes you. Oh, without question. Let's talk about that Greek word reckon. It's from this (laughs) southern dialect. Oh, yeah. I reckon. It means means to think. I think so. I think so. (laughs) Is is Abraham righteous? I think so. (laughs) Abraham thought he was righteous. (laughs) He reckoned it. (laughs) I reckon I'll be moseying. That's uh, now... You're from California. How do you make that joke? I'm the one who's supposed to make the joke. I've got the, I've got the Southern Reckon. heritage. Reckoned, yeah. It, Reckon I, I missed that. Use that too much, but uh, yeah. You were talking about archaic language last week. This yeah. is more archaic expression. Cavalcade of archaic language. Yeah, this is um, this is one of the many ways he engages Paul. Um, engages and, Abraham. Uh, oh yeah, he engages <laughs> Abraham. Glance over. I'm engaging I was, Paul. I was writing notes for myself <laughs> as I'm as I'm. I was, well, the, the backstory on why we're doing this podcast hurriedly is that I was given a test and we realized that the weather is going to get really bad. We probably wouldn't be able to get to a, a podcast this week. So I was hastily throwing together some thoughts while I was giving a test. And then we showed up and we're doing this. But there's, I was looking backwards in this and he uses Paul a number. I mean, uses- <laughs> a, Paul uses Abraham. There we go. A number of ways. And yeah. uh, I'm trying to look for where I jotted those down. I can't often read my own writing. Talks that's about, a, that's uh, a problem. Abraham talks about boasting. He talks about boasting. Remember all the times he, I think when we're going through Romans last year, mm-hmm. talking about all the different ways he uses boasting. One of the ways he talks about boasting is saying, in this context, when he's talking about Abraham, or as some people would say, Paul, <laughs> <laughs> Abraham is like, it's not by performance, because Abraham doesn't boast. Uh, if, if boasting would exclude you know, those who who don't uh, accomplish the law, or and it would exclude all Gentiles. So he talks about how Abraham uses that that 
language he comes back to all the way through. Boasting, and then he talks about chronologically, we just talked about that he had the, the sign of the covenant mm-hmm. before the promises were fulfilled, before right. he'd done anything, or earlier in the story, he just believes and heads out, right, right, in his unwavering sort of fashion. <laughs> Though his interpretation was somewhat <laughs> askew. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And here's just, it's really emphasizing he's the recipient of a promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul's laying a foundation in this section of Romans to say how how we're all, he's leveling the the playing field. Okay. Now it's not, it's not, uh, it's not through law that the promise comes. Um, it was before that it's, it's on the principle of promise. And it's also on the principle that God is powerful to, and creative to bring things into being. Mm. It's, it's, it's very theocentric as compared to, uh, some performative, um, that we've achieved this righteousness. So he comes at it different ways and he's done, he's kind of leading up to, this section with a, with those other kind of ways of talking about how Jews and Gentiles really aren't that different. In yeah. fact, kind of Abraham's the proto, proto-Jew, proto you know. Well, he's, yeah, I was going to say, this is kind he's of— He's a Gentile and becomes Jewish. It's a really clever argument here because he, he's he's trumping them here. He's, he's, you can't yeah, argue— right. You can't argue that he's gone to infinity in his argument. Yeah, because, yeah exactly. Right, yeah. It's like, you know, I could, he could take some time and debate Moses and mm-hmm, talk about the mm-hmm. nature of the law yeah, and what to, that means. Go to Abraham. But then he goes to Abraham knowing that not, none of his opponents would argue for the unrighteousness of Abraham, right? Yeah. There's not, well, really? He was righteous. So without the law, mm-hmm. interesting. Abraham was righteous. Huh. I mean, it's really yeah, a huh. great argument yeah, huh. that <laughs> nobody could possibly, no, none of his opponents could yeah. possibly refute. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. really very clever. When I, when I was teaching uh, in a Mennonite seminary, and they, they in, invariably, they would say, McKeever, that's not a, that's not a very Mennonite name. Not, I said, not, not well, you know, kind of. <laughs> Kind of old school, like Menno Simons. I was born Catholic and became Anabaptist. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> end of story. You went right to Menno. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nicely done. I called Infinity. <laughs> you did. Yeah. Well done. Well, that's what. Yeah. Did you just play the Menno card? Yeah. Yes. That's when my when when we switched to um, they switched from Old Testament to teaching the Bible in one semester at Baylor. Uh, Name and Keithley came up to me and said, "So I, I saw your syllabus. That, you know, we're doing both testaments in one semester." And I said, "Yeah, yeah, I, I got the syllabus together." He goes, "So two thirds of it was uh, in the Old Testament." I said, "Well, I just <laughs> I wanted to let the canon be my guide yeah, on yeah, that. You exactly. know, I just sort of what God thought was important to me. Mm-hmm. I felt like was going to be important." <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Infinity. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do? The canon. Right. You played right. the canon card. Why do you study the Old Testament? I'm big into the Bible of Jesus. I don't know. That's <laughs> yeah. Church's Bible. Early church, Early church's you know, Bible. You know, I'm, I'm a first century Christian kind myself. Of an Acts 2 but... sort of thing. <laughs> Whatever that is. Acts. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, I'd like to be a Revelation 7 church, but that's a, that's a different argument. So. There are some things, you know, you read this. Uh, I mean, we, I, I think I was teasing a little bit of your, your reading. Not your reading, but it's like, uh, for this is obvious, and this is obvious. Yeah. If I was arguing, it's like, well, it's not obvious unless you've been following him from the beginning. Right, right. Like, why are you bringing in the law here? Why are you bringing in all, the, all these things? It's the things he's come at and, and going to continue to, to uh, advance. He's in this building a really argument. complicated argument here. Yeah, and he's yeah. cycling through the handful of things. And so. these are the footnotes that are supporting his point as he goes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we know we've gone through this, and, and, and uh, well, I guess we kind of jumped around even even then when we went through Romans in year A. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it, it's involved, but it's not a, um, um, it's not a first— uh, run at this topic mm-hmm, and it's not mm-hmm. the last one even in this even in this text 
Where is it? it talks about promise where he inherit the earth? What verse did I see that? I was carrying that a bit different. Um, hmm. Father of us all, we are heirs. Maybe, maybe that trust. language was in a commentary I'm reading. Maybe it's different language here. I don't see explicitly that. Huh. Uh, for the promise that he would inherit the world. Oh, did not come. Okay, would inherit the world. Yeah, the land. You know, he had a promise that he'd inherit the land, right, and then right, later right. in tradition, you know, that also is earth right. or the whole world. Well, the, when all the nations of the world shall be blessed through you, that's mm-hmm. probably when they made mm-hmm. that Yeah, and then it's explicitly shift. kind of filling in, filling in the gaps in, in other Jewish uh, literature, later Jewish right. literature. And then it becomes uh, like uh, somewhat eschatological, like uh, right. the, the promise— the eschatological fulfillment is that he w- he would be inheriting the whole world. It made me think about the beatitude. I'd never thought about it that way. Blessed are the meek. They uh, uh, inherit the earth. The yeah. earth. I, 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 I didn't have time to go and, you know, suss that out. But it's like, oh, I wonder what kind of echoes we have here. Because mm. this is really uh, mind, as we say. The, these, yeah. these Abraham texts, he's such a, such a, uh, a hero of the faith and sometimes intentional with what we've been saying. He never wavered. Yes. Well, there was a lot of cul-de-sacs and a lot of rabbit holes he went down. Right. Um, but he stayed he, in relationship. Yeah. That, that's yeah. fair. And, and, uh, some, t- some later Jewish tradition doesn't even mention that stuff. He's right. just, he's just ridiculously faithful. And, he, and there's this, there's this huge bank account that all Jews can draw upon. Yeah. His righteousness. Yeah. That, that might be behind, uh, something like, uh, the parable in Luke 16, where the rich man calls out to Abraham, yeah. you know, call upon the merits of Abraham. Mm. Um, oh, interesting. So, yeah, you get a little bit more nuanced uh, uh, warts and all depiction. Which might also get some context for you say your child, children of Abraham. You know, that. Well, that's what, I, that's what I was thinking. One of the things that, uh, that, that Paul gets at is that God's creative power to, to call things into existence, mm. to call peoples into existence, that's not unlike what, what I wrote that down. I go, that is not unlike what... John the Baptist says, hey, yeah. let's say yourself, you're sons of Abraham. God can raise up sons of Abraham from these stones. Yeah. So, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the creative uh, uh, power of God. That's helpful you know? because I couldn't figure out what the creation part was doing in the middle of this. I mean, I love creation, mm-hmm. but I had a hard time figuring out. But the deadness of, uh, the deadness of the, their bodies, the deadness yeah. of the womb, uh, yeah. how that's not a, that's not a, a hurdle to him. Yeah. He did not weaken in faith when he considered, <clears throat> well, this is this is the beginning of that, like extolling Abraham. He mm-hmm. did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, verse 19, which yeah. was already as good as dead. And he was falling down a lot and stuff. <laughs> where he was about <laughs> as, as one old. does. As one does. And when he considered the bareness of Sarah's womb. Yeah. Even though he's you know, asked that question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Despite, <laughs> despite what it says, they said, we're, we're going to focus like this on a laser, like a laser on this. Yeah. No distress made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith. Lord to God. Yeah, well, you, at least you helped. You tied that creation thing in for me. That that's that's helpful. Yeah. That helpful. So the promise, different principles upon which. Um, it's not the law that made you special. Yeah, being a son of Abraham. Yeah. What yeah. does that mean? Yeah. 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 That's really it's that is very interesting. And 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 I think I've brought this up. It's it's kind of a complex argument how Ishmael somewhat 
expands that idea of what it means to be a son of Abraham. Promise. There's a little bit. I think there's something that Luke does with that. Oh, really? With Ishmael? Well, because Ishmael is a wild man, and right. John the Baptist is a wild man, and there's oh, a lot about wilderness and okay. it's like, oh, and and this wild man is calling into question what it means to be a son of God. Yeah. So, so mm, I haven't written on this. It's always been like a uh, a footnote in things, other things I'm writing on. But yeah. I kind of would kind of want to go through the infancy narratives in or or the one in Luke. I go, let's look at all the Ishmael echoes here and yeah. what might be the connotation someone uh, of this theme of oh the the uh, sonship of of abraham being sons of abraham is a bigger thing than than we're defining yeah. it yeah in a, in a narrative fashion it's really interesting what luke might you be know, doing it's it's always fascinating that w- for some reason we've sort of traditionally and i think it's even happened early that certainly in jewish tradition that that you know ishmael bad isaac good yeah right? and that's just not the story. It's not the text. The the Ishmael is provided for. God has regard for Ishmael. God, mm-hmm. you know, the non-chosen one in the story, God always has regard and provision for. Ishmael is provided for. Esau is provided for. I mean, he's very wealthy when Jacob gets back to the promised land. Uh, so it's not a, it's not a, you know, you're chosen and you can write if you get work. It's, you know, you're the one through whom this promise is going to work for mm-hmm. all nations, yeah. you know? And so it's not... It is a statement of blessing, but it's not a it's not a rejection of the unchosen. Yeah. I guess is the best way to say yeah. that. You yeah. Know? Even though, even back before that, even though Seth is the one who carries on the Adam and Eve story, uh, Cain is provided for yeah. and is given mm-hmm. a mark of protection, mm-hmm. and you know, so by God. Yeah. So it's a really, um, yeah, I, I, lazy. It lazy is. It's us. lazy reading. It is. It well, it might be is. people reading in the fact that the you know. The New Testament's about grace, and the Old Testament's all about law. Would you stop that? I'm going to throw things at you. <laughs> Speaking of lazy. That's the kind of thing that brings shivers. I can say intertestamental in some place our colleague is shivering. Someone says that, I shiver. That's, that's what happens. That. So, yeah. So, not, anyway. Not to. Well, here, as we were talking about that the other week, I realized, having done my uh, PhD in Berkeley, and and, and when I taught, I'd, you know, I'd, always be corrected by someone how right. some way I wasn't being inclusive. It was very helpful. Actually, at the time I didn't enjoy it, but it did, it did help me, <laughs> but I had a class called intertestamental literature of course, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> in Berkeley, at Berkeley, you did though, yeah. of, uh, of all kinds of different seminaries and a Jewish Institute. And that's, there were people from the Jewish Institute there. That's amazing. <laughs> it's like, Oh yeah. It takes a while to get up to speed on some of this stuff. I, I wonder <laughs> if our colleague doesn't say it, not because of its inclusiveness, but because of its accuracy yeah. that there, yeah. that much of what we consider old Testament actually did come together in a time we would consider in like Daniel, like, yeah. you know, some of these, even the Psalms are finalized in mm-hmm. Esther's written in. Well, and, and in Jewish dialogue, do you refer to Hebrew Bible? I do. Yeah, yeah. I do. In fact, uh, my wife had a Christmas party for her chaplains and, and one of them is a Jewish and, and he said, so what do you do? And I said, well, I, I teach Hebrew Bible at Judson. Oh. And he said, wow, did you hear that? Hebrew Bible. Did you hear what he said? He said, that? He even that? knew the term to yeah. say to me. Oh, there used to be, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. It was, he, was, he recognized, I probably wouldn't say that to everybody, but to him, I knew to say okay, Hebrew good. Bible. That's good. Yeah. Let me just funny. point out one more thing here. Is it, I never noticed this. Someone said, and, and you wouldn't notice it unless you're just reading through Romans the whole way, and then you can still miss it. But 23 is where yes. he first, first place he gets into first person. All been third person up to this 23? point. Twenty three, verse twenty three. Oh, hours. Now the words it 24. was reckoned to him were written not for his sake alone, but, but for, for ours also. So twenty four. It will be reckoned to us, us who believe in him who yeah. raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. 
Mm. who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. That is important. I, I, I just noticed it. I don't know how it's important, but it is interesting to me. And it might be confessional. And it might be the fact that he's drawing upon early like Christian familiar, confessions. Yeah. But uh, I, I want to think about that more. That yeah. is interesting. Yeah. Certainly draws. I mean, that's a shift. That's an important shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is he coming to the end of the argument? Well, here? yeah, you could say there's a one through four is kind of a block of argument. I was going to say, and, he's, and, done, he's done the Gentile thing and now he's into right. the Jewish thing. Is and, he coming to the end of that part of that and, argument? And five through eight. And they kind of both might end with certain kinds of confession, confession. although eight ends with a. Yeah, eight does definitely. I'm thinking of the oh, end of seven, and yeah, then the eight contrast has that in eight. Wonderful. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I got to. Ch- I got to look question. at that more closely. It's interesting. Fascinating. Crash. He said, raising one eyebrow. Are you ready for Mark yeah. eight, thirty-one to thirty-eight? Then he, I'm assuming this is Jesus, began to Mm -hmm. teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering, be rejected by the elders, chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. Mm. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Come on, you're just being negative, Jesus. Come on, be positive. But turning and looking at his disciples, so he rebukes him publicly, even though Peter was trying to keep it on the sly here. He rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. For you are mm-hmm. setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Peter is Satan. No one saw that coming. It's a huge oh, M. Night Shyamalan twist in this. Roller There's coaster. Right in the middle. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if anyone want, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what, think, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of them, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Yeah. So this is the first, the first announcement um, of the of the cross of the cross of three of three. And so here you the first announcement of three. Yeah, there's okay. three announcements of the cross. So this is the one, and just before the transfiguration, right. And and this is the middle. This is the middle of Mark. So you have a kind of a mini gospel in the middle of, of Mark. You have a announcement of the cross, mm-hmm. suffering, rejection, and then you have this, this glorification, this transfiguration. Of, yeah, vindication, glorification, exaltation. Um, and that and and to read these within the narrative, that's it's helpful. And although we're reading it backwards, right. this might be helpful before Transfiguration Sunday. But um, uh, the alternative reading is Transfiguration. So um, let's see the other two times. I think when they're coming, let's see, when they're coming down the mountain, I think they're, they're, they're arguing which mm-hmm. one's greater. Mm-hmm. Okay. You guys, did you guys hear me about that cross stuff? No. <laughs> no. And then as they're getting close to Jerusalem, they're, uh, they're uh, let's see, I forget. In, in Mark, it's um, uh, two of these guys are asking for, to be, have places of prominence because he's obviously going to take hold of the kingdom, right? Sure, you know, it's yeah. It's going to be good. It's about to happen. Uh, yeah. Can we be, you know, in the, your cabinet, and, you know, that sort of thing. So... All three of them, it's it's more clearly kind of expounded in instances of how they're thinking humanly. Yeah. Um, here it's just, uh, it might not be as obvious that Peter is looking thinking humanly, other than the fact that he doesn't, that suffering is not a part of the equation for this yeah. Messiah. 
And uh, obviously, obviously, I mean, it's just dumb to think if Messiah is going to suffer. I mean, well, yeah, it doesn't it's make a, any it sense. It is something to to uh, to reckon to reckon with. <laughs> I didn't even go back to the reckoning language. Yeah, good. I got it out of my system. I'm glad. Yeah, he rebuked him. He's been rebuking demons, you know, in the first half. A lot of rebuking of demons. So, it's, so Peter's rebuking Jesus. Yeah. So Jesus yeah. rebukes Peter. Yeah. Yeah. No, After I bind you. Satan. <laughs> <N-uh>. <laughs> you don't bind me. Nuh uh. <laughs> yeah. So Satan is this, this traditional sense of adversary, one who yeah. would turn you from, from God's will, which he doesn't expound in the temptation itself. Right. He expounds on it here. It's interesting. Like, I'm not going to spend much time with that Satan. I'm going to save that for talking about yeah. Rock or Peter. Uh, Jesus, you're just in one of your black moods. Yeah. Have a Snickers. You'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah. We're going to do this. Yeah. You won't be killed. Don't curse that fig tree. Here, eat this. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, you're just not you when you're hungry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is... You're setting your mind on, div- not on divine things, but, but on, on human, human things. There's this language... You just said something that, I, that I'd that i never considered. I mean, this that this is Mark's exposition the of... No. The, no, not the fig tree. Mark's exposition of the temptations. I mean, mm-hmm. that you get some, you know... Yeah actual you don't get any of that you don't get any of it in, in the, the temptations in the but here you actually get satan named and you get the mm-hmm. you know yeah bow down and i'll give you the it's whole like world marks thing. like temptation you want to talk about temptation well here's peter's the, peter's the problem yeah no wait <laughs> for christians it's not going to be like i really want to make those rocks into bread about now yeah it's not a big thing we deal with but um but it kind of is an interpretation of that yeah an exposition um in terms of discipleship um, I'm trying to see where the must must suffer language. Uh, oh yeah, it's the very beginning. Then he began he to teach them that the Son suffering. of Man must undergo. The synoptics deal with this a lot. This word, this little word in Greek, day, yeah, delta, epsilon. Yeah, it must happen, and it's always a kind of a passive or it introduces passive verbs where God's it's necessary in God's plan that that the Messiah suffers, and that's. Really, what everything so much of the New Testament is grappling with is like, what do you do with him, suffering Messiah? Yeah, uh, taking all these occasions to explain how well, that could be. Well, that's the that's Paul's you know great paradox in Corinthians, right? Yeah. Christ crucified. Yeah, let me let me figure that out. Right. I yeah. just know nothing except that paradox. Uh-huh. Once I get that down, yeah. I'm in good shape. Yeah. It's interesting. There's a it's it's more obvious or it's more developed. What you have in Mark is more developed in Luke, and someone wrote this article called The Divine Day, and kind of trace it all the way mm. throughout. And the first time Jesus uses it in Mark is his first words. Didn't you know I must be in my father's house? Mm. That's very interesting Not to see. Mark. In, in Luke. Luke. In, uh, yeah. yeah, Luke as a 12-year-old. Uh, he's in the temple, and those are his first words. I always, I'm always interested in characters' first <laughs> words, you know. Yeah. Kind of auspicious. And uh, all the way through, these, it's associated with these... Um, Statements of the cross mm-hmm. that the Son of Man must suffer, and the, and that is openly, not just told to this inner circle, but uh, proclaimed that if anyone you know uh, wants to be his disciple, mm-hmm. uh, you have to take up your cross and follow me. And that's that's this perennially difficult thing for us to conceive of what that means as a cross, since we're not confronted with that harsh reality, um, you know, in our in our world, and probably many of our or a few of our listeners to this podcast would be confronted with, right. what does that mean? Um, but this is probably a congregation that has recently experienced Nero's persecution and yeah. perhaps been faithful and perhaps been unfaithful. Some been unfaithful, yeah. Yeah, so a word that could be both a word that's 
uh, consolation and challenge, mm-hmm. what that means. I'm curious, is the, you, you were talking about a, a person's first words. Are Peter's first words in the book, you are the Christ? I mean, directly. I mean, other times it's disciples are speaking. Um, but I don't know. I didn't look that up. I, I mean, it just made me wonder that his first words, you're the Christ. And then after that, he's called Satan. <laughs> Satan yeah. Uh, we don't get direct speech. Peter from slash Peter. Satan. We don't get Peter's direct <laughs> speech there. We, but we do get, I'm, I, Does he I'm say just, anything when he calls him? Yeah, no, he may not say anything when they call him in Mark when he's calling fishermen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, they just start walking in chapter one. Right. Mm. And yeah. they go into his mother-in-law's house and. Well, yeah, yeah, that's right. So who do you been say that I am is before? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Uh, I was just, I, it just made me wonder, is that the first thing? Nope. No, yeah. see, that's the thing. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. This is the beginning, chapter mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. When they found him, they they said to him, everyone yeah. is searching for you. So okay. it's not a specific disciple that is talking there. I'm just, that's I was trying to remember where there was any more direct speech from Peter, and I can't. Uh, uh, we're going to, I'll look that up. I'm, we're going through uh, characterization. That's a, that's a strong open. In Mark. For, for yeah, Peter. yeah. And, like, watch uh, this. This should go well. Yeah, you're the Christ. He yeah, started so well. Nailed it. <laughs> then, Nailed rebuked, it. then gets rebuked and called Satan, <laughs> Satan. one chapter later. Yeah. Uh, whoops. Yeah. <laughs> Not even. So he rebukes him. And you've heard a lot of rebuking language. And he's also treating Jesus like Jesus' family did when they kind of, they came to draw him away from the crowd. Right, it's like, right. is he out of his mind? Yeah. That's how he's treating Jesus here. Are you did, out of your mind? Did they rebuke him? No, they did not, they rebuke, did not him. rebuke him, but it's it's these motifs, it's these uh, these thematic language that you've seen a lot in the first half of Mark, which is his ministry and people's right. reaction to it, and uh, so it's like it's it's interesting how the it's woven into this scene also. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> Peter is saying, "Yeah, here, let, just sit down. You know, you're not feeling well. You're not right in the head, or something like that." And talking about this suffering stuff. Mm-hmm. I, um, I actually think Peter's first words are, you are the Christ. That'd be, that's interesting. I'll, uh, I'm going to look at that because I'm going to talk about characterization in Mark. Maybe tonight. I don't know. If the snowpocalypse doesn't happen. Yeah. I got to figure out what the, whether I call that class or not. I just got a notification that all after-school activities in my son's high school have been canceled. Okay. So. Okay. Because there's a, you could, might make it to my class, but it's a three-hour class. So right. And so will you make you it will, home? Then you guys will just need to food and water here. The problem is it's so, <laughs> yeah, it's so cold. The, ice, the, the salt doesn't help. Yeah, that happens too. Didn't Jesus say something about that? The salt has because lost of the its salt meltiness. Of the earth, unless it's like under t- 15 <laughs> degrees and it's like it's worthless to be slid over while your car goes the, then, into the ditch. Then you need to go get one of uh, Tesla's lights of the world and uh, <laughs> Elon Musk's uh, flamethrowers, and then you can clean your driveway. <laughs> just talking about the guy, the guy circling the the, uh, the the mannequin, as he claims, circling the earth currently, or I, not, go down into space. I did see your post on yeah. that. <laughs> the perfect crime. <laughs> well, here's what gave me shivers uh, as I think about, like, well, what can I do to think? I mean, how do you make real the cross? The cross right. is just this thing we make jewelry out of these days. So, the, what came to my mind. Uh, was the Libyan martyrs. It's it's three years ago mm. next week. Mm. Remember those 21 Libyan yeah. martyrs who were uh, martyred by uh, those Coptic Christians yeah. who are in Libya as uh, a work crew. Yeah. And they're, they're taken out to the, the shore of the Mediterranean. And, you know, ISIS makes this, this, uh, this video. I've never watched those videos. Yeah, I've I mean, never brought myself I mean, to watch those I beheadings, mean. but uh, they, 
they went through it faithfully. They yeah. they they have a theology of martyrdom. Yeah, it was twenty one of them, and then I didn't know this story. Have you heard about this? The twenty first martyr? No, because you can tell that twenty of them are are are, are Egyptian or Coptic Christians, but there's one who's very dark skinned. Yeah, and the the backstory is people try to figure out who is this twenty first martyr. He's from Chad, it turned out, and he was not a Christian. But when they came to him with the knife, they gave him each a chance to renounce Christ. Yeah, and he said, "I get shivers just saying this." He said, "He knows he's facing martyrdom." He right. says, "Their God is my God." Wow. <laughs> he saw he saw their faith in the face of martyrdom. He saw their their faith in the face of of death, and and he. He he didn't know any more than that. He said, "Their God is my God." It's like, wow. But you gave me chills. Yeah, so that worked. Yeah, and I saw it's. I saw two sources that said, "I thought that sounds like you know, hagiography." But um, I don't know. I I I think I mean it's on film. I, yeah. I I don't know if I can watch it, but I'm not. I'm not going. But to that's watch. the reality. I mean, that's probably the closest analogy. I mean, they're not. We're not faced with crosses and rotting corpses at every crossroad. You know, as yeah. As, uh, as Rome, as Rome rules with uh, this iron fist, mm-hmm. um, boy. But to to think about that, to think about what this means, you know, to, to follow, to lose, to lose everything. Um, Culpepper, Culpepper was talking about this. We usually mean like my, I don't have money to fix the air conditioner. <laughs> you know, right. that's just my cross. That's my know? cross to bear. Yeah. No, oh, it's hard. It's hard to get in that mindset. It uh, it recalibrates everything. Yeah. You know? And and the the absurdity of Christ's request is as absurd today. Yeah. I mean, the absurdity of that. I mean, you know, I hear people whenever I talk about, you know, I'm a convert to nonviolence. I didn't. I mean, a late later convert to nonviolence. Uh, and and whenever I talk about that, you always get the well, you know, but Jesus would be okay with self defense. And uh, I said, you mean like the way he did it? You know, when yeah. the Romans came yeah. for him and he yeah. was willing to fight back. Mm-hmm. And and they're like, well, no. I said, so here's my problem. I don't want to be committed to nonviolence. No, I I don't. I want you hurt people I love. You hurt me. I want to fight back. Um, but it's what Jesus said, and it's what Jesus did. And I can't find a way to put aside what Jesus said and what Jesus did. If you can help me with that, I'm right. willing to do it. Yeah. But no. But it's I don't, there's not a lot of theological ways to get out of that. And um, and so it's yeah that kind of a faith i look up to right with that 21st martyr or the first 20 either mm-hmm. one of them yeah um yeah. is a faith that i look up to because it is a reality of the cross they get it right they get yeah. what take up your cross daily means at that point my yeah. life now looks like christ and i trust in god mm-hmm. for resurrection yeah and that is mm-hmm. that's <laughs> unfortunate we, we don't we don't encounter persecution like that but no. but we encounter death we do when we don't hide it but we will right. encounter we will death. Hi- yeah, we'll we hide will. it, but yeah, we will. Uh, you, you, you're, as your wife. Yes. You're as a, a chaplain of... Yeah, uh, she's great at it. Yeah. She's great at death. I mean, it's weird <laughs> to say your wife is good at death, but she is. Yeah. I mean, you know, this yeah. one experience that all of us are going to share in, mm-hmm. but are acting and living as though they're going to come up with a cure before we get there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, it rightly, it rightly kind of like, oh, I kind of think of things different. Yeah. I it, remember keeping the pages after 9-11, and, and, and mm-hmm. you know, they have pictures of people jumping right. to their death. And it's like, that just kind of puts everything in perspective, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, so those, those, those people are martyrs. Those were, were they were, uh, um, sainted in the Coptic church. And I think mm. the, it might be, it might be the week that this reading is, is their, their saint, their feast wow. day. Um, third, I think it's the third week of February or something like that. 
That's yeah. amazing. Very. The Coptic uh, churches. Uh, oh yeah, Orthodox churches can assign local saints. It was just. Uh, yeah. I assume Coptic is the same mm-hmm. uh, in that too. It's a it's a slightly different flavor of Orthodoxy, but I believe yeah. they, they also yeah. can. Uh, yeah, declare I, I their don't, local saints. I don't know a great deal about the Coptic Church. I have learned more and more as I have had a number of Coptic Christians in my classes over the years. So I had two at uh, Baylor and one here. Oh, okay. So they've been wonderful challenges to. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, right. You had that story. Yeah, that great story of yeah. of their faith. So yeah. Wow. Well, on that rather somber note, wow, mm-hmm. Mike, we really yeah killed it. Right. I mean, that's I know it's it's. Nothing like life to really bring you down. But, yeah, well, uh, Jesus is being somber. somber yeah, Jesus us. rebuked them all and <laughs> mocked Peter, dude. All right. Wow. Well, uh, hope that you're... We certainly are in keeping of the story of Lent here, aren't we? Yes. It's certainly Lenten. Hope your your second Sunday of, of Lent will be a, a good one. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Make sure and follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook and shoot us an email if you ever have any thoughts. Yeah. Reading in church at mm-hmm. gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We're happy to interact with that and... Happy for those of you listening around the world and and around the country. It's always encouraging to get a note that you actually are listening. (laughs) Makes us feel good about this. Taking the time to make the time in front of a snowpocalypse to to have this conversation. So so I'm going to go off to class now. And you guys have a great week. Blessings. Blessings. Blessings.